This is MC Bulldozer, and welcome to my Life Discography Podcast. There's a lot of topics I'd like to cover in a segment like this, but today we're going to be talking about something that influenced my musical taste and direction probably more than anything else. We're going to talk about weirdo music. Now, I know what you're going to say, weird is not a genre, and this is true, but for a younger version of myself, all that really mattered was that music was weird for a long time. Maybe it was a self-centered desire to seem different and interesting because of the hipster movement that was going on around me. Maybe it was just a sense of belonging for a strange ADHD kid that grew up as an only child in the mountains. Either way, for many years, if I was going to say I liked an artist, there had to be something goofy, strange, or straight up confusing about their sound. So let's talk about it. Some of my earliest musical memories include listening to my parents play Parliament Funkadelic while they did the dishes. I loved the vibe of this music, and I still do. I love the way it sounds like every instrumentalist, every singer, every player in this song is having the time of their lives playing it. And I loved the way the music became a vessel for them to display their freakiest, strangest selves to the world. But it would be another freak from this same era that would truly push me into eccentric music for the first time. Frank Zappa. I might be moving to Montana soon Just to raise me up a crop of dental floss I can't remember the number of times that I remember my dad quoting these eccentric lyrics at my mom while she would roll her eyes. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world, and the music left a permanent impression on me. For a long time, this became my standard for weird music. Quotable, non-sequitur lyrics with good production underneath to back it up. It only makes sense then that my next favorite artist would be one that made music with almost the exact same format. It was the enigmatic, ironic 90s wizard himself. Beck's music was like candy to my ears. The bizarre lyrics satisfied my adolescent sense of humor, and the strange production kept me coming back for more. This is a song off of his classic album, Odal, which was produced by a production team called the Dust Brothers. On that same thread, another Dust Brothers produced project would soon become one of my favorite albums of all time. It was the Beastie Boys with Paul's Boutique. I seriously listened to this album almost exclusively for over a year. It was my first taste of hip-hop, a genre which would later come to change my life. I didn't know quite what feeling I was experiencing when I listened to their music, but I knew I was hooked, and I knew there was no going back to conventional rock and roll. The production on this album is so gorgeous and had me really excited about sample-based music for the first time. But I still needed my weirdness, and I would find it in a spastic group of rappers from South Central Los Angeles. The Far Side. This music sampled a lot of the funk and soul that I was used to hearing from my parents, and this time came packaged with a vulgar, class clown style of humor. Perfect. Oh, and did I mention the flow? The 
Far Side set a new standard for the hip-hop that I love to listen to. These were rappers that didn't take themselves that seriously, yet could still rip a hole in any beat that was placed in front of me. During this time in my life, I was listening to a lot of classic 90s hip-hop, but I knew it was this goofy, high-energy form of rap that truly captivated me. So it was to be another group of lyrical spazzes, this time from New York, that would help to bring me into the modern era. Jokingly named after the multiracial dorm room that they met in, it was Das Racist. With most of their discography in the early 2010s, this group helped me realize just how much hip-hop had progressed. They helped me realize I liked modern beats just as much as I liked beats from the 90s. The flows of these rappers still influence me to this day. I can quote along to so many of these lyrics. I get around like a vinyl, all sales final, Lionel, Richie. Have you ever wanted to create your own podcast? If the answer is yes, then you need to know about Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It includes creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own material right from your phone or computer. And it distributes them to all the major podcast publishers like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Anchor is completely free, and there's no minimum listenership requirement, so you can still get paid even if your audience is still growing. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back. When we left off, we were discussing goofy and weird music. By the time I was a young adult, my exploration of 90s alternative hip-hop had reached its only logical conclusion. That's right, it's that time in the podcast. Let's talk about MF Doom. I got this girl and she wants me to duka. I told her I'll come scoop her around and she said... So much has already been said about this guy that I don't really feel the need to say too much more here. Basically, genius lyricist, the beetle for alternative rap in the 2000s. Chances are, if you know someone who's into alternative rap, they're really into MF. I don't need to sing his praises here, so instead I want to talk about how Doom's music, along with the music of others, illustrated an important turning point for me and helped me gain a more nuanced and well-rounded perspective about the intersection between humor and music. Though I had come to Doom's music for the kooky references, the comic book aesthetics, and the funny non-sequitur lines, it was apparent to me even then that there was a lot of pain and frustration included in those lyrics as well, which I related to with my own life difficulties. This brought me much closer to my current view of humor in music, which is that while it can be fun to have a song that is just funny, it's often more powerful to use humor as an accessory, a breath of fresh air, or a figurative point to illustrate what you're really trying to say. I say this just because a lot of the songs I'm about to play for you don't necessarily have that same goofy quality as what came before. But boy are they weird. Cause I was about to discover that the descendants and disciples of MF Doom had made the world of weird hip-hop in the new millennia a crazier, deeper, and weirder world than anything I had heard before. Hey there, buddy guy. Calm down, buddy guy. Take a shower and shave, guy. Hey there, calm down. You're listening to a song by an artist called Serengeti, but in the context here, the rapper hey there, is called Kenny down. Dennis, Serengeti's bizarre suburban dad alter calm ego, down, known for down. spitting raps about life in a heavy Chicago oh, accent. Grab the palm paddle, second serve 98 Missed the white tape, then I rattled off 20 straight Firm handshake the song here is from the album Kenny Dennis 3, but don't forget about Kenny Dennis 1 and 2, 4 and 5, as well as the Grim Teaches, Kenny's fictional rap group from the 90s. 
One second this character can be bragging about cooking bratwurst, and the next second he might be screaming at his brother, lamenting the fact that he never feels supported by those close to him. It becomes nearly impossible to distinguish what is a joke and what is serious, creating a seamless blend of emotions that keeps you guessing at every turn. This emotional blend would come to be one of my favorite things about this style of music. We roam tundras. The boy been gone a few summers too long from road running trunk full of old hunters. Of course, Earl Sweatshirt's 2018 masterpiece, Some Rap Song, seriously feels like an amorphous blob of depression, joy, sadness, and anger all blended together and delivered to you wrapped in a sheet of acid tabs. The music of Rat King, on the other hand, perfectly encapsulates the stress and claustrophobia of city life, wrapped over a sonic palette that often includes the noises of the real city around them. So let's talk some conclusions here. My obsession with weirdo music drove much of my musical taste and expansion through my young adulthood. I still love many of these songs, but I would be lying if I said I didn't have some regrets. I was exposed to a lot of really good artists at a young age who I just didn't listen to because I felt like they took themselves too seriously. Thinking about it now, I can't help but wonder what wisdom and knowledge I might have missed out on in those songs because I wasn't willing to listen. There's also the issue of judging the intentions of a goofy or comedy type of artist, like this song on Beck's quote-unquote R&B album, Midnight Vultures. I still think it's a great song, and I respect the artist's right to parody, but now that I've listened to Prince, now that I've listened to Michael Jackson and some of the other artists that are being poked fun at here, it's kinda hard not to hear a cynical hipster just throwing cheap shots at some of the greatest creatives of his time. Not that I still don't love it though. I think I'll let it ride out from here. This has been MC Bulldozer, and thank you for listening to my Life Discography Podcast. Until next time. Girl, girl.